to get up and go. But that's not relationship, is it? How many of us in the church try to use obedience in the place of relationship? Loyalty. I appreciate obedience in the church. I think it's powerful. I can't tell you how much I appreciate loyalty in the church, loyalty toward Jesus. And I think those are noble character traits. But here's what I'm going to call loyalty. It's the safety chains that catch you in the moment. It's when you're faced with a decision that challenges character toward another human being and you say no to that or you say yes, whatever's appropriate. But it's more about position. It's more about what's established than it is about relationship. We can be loyal to a person. We can be loyal to an office. I can be loyal to an organization. And I love your loyalty here. But it will not... It will not make relationship happen, and it will never replace relationship. And how many of us in the church try to use obedience or loyalty to be God's people? And then there's the big O word, obligation. I call obligation the duct tape. When all else fails, when I don't want to do it, when I don't want to go, when I don't want to stay, but I feel that obligation. And it's a good thing. And it reinforces me in my weak places. When I have that weak moment, I can step into that obligation. And it helps me in that moment be who I want to be but is not and does not build relationship. Peter, in the clip, was operating out of obligation, out of loyalty, out of obedience. He was operating in very, very good character pieces, character players, he was operating with a lot of a genuineness. He was operating with the best of his ability to be true and right and honest. But would their marriage last? When he's only carrying out what has been put before him by his family. My question for us in the church is, are you carrying out a relationship that somebody else has? Are you using loyalty and obligation and obedience to try to really, with all of your heart, with all of your good intentions, be true and right with Jesus? But it's not really your relationship. 
when I, when I listen to this guy, I see so many well-meaning people in the church, but they're not operating in relationship. They're operating in what somebody else has put on them. And they agree with it. And they, they want to do it. And so the tools the church normally gives us and the ones that we often use in our life are obligation and loyalty and obedience, but they all carry a price because without relationship, those build up huge relational debt. And there will come a time when you grow weary of applying obligation, loyalty, and obedience to following Jesus. Because Jesus was never a part of making those things who you are with him. When we hear from God, when we learn to listen for God, when we learn to participate with God, when his voice, in whatever form it's taking, operates within us, when we can begin to connect with life that's coming from within. We don't even see the obedience. We don't even think of it as loyalty. I I don't think of being loyal to to my wife. It, It doesn't cross my mind. To be disloyal to her is kind of being disloyal to me. When I see how well-intentioned he is, he's he's so likable. But what he's missing and what he doesn't get is he's missing relationship with her. Now we're going to go backwards. Questions. Questions. I talked about the dreams. I talked about the visions, the inner impressions, the angels. Um, All of these ways, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all these ways that God speaks to us, all these ways that God speaks to you. And here's my question. If you are not, have you got that? Questions and then the header under first, the first header under questions. You got to go backwards. The first one. It just says questions on it. There you go. That's fine right there. If you are not experiencing God's presence, his weight, his pushes, if you are not having dreams, if you don't have any visions, if you don't have any inner impressions, if these things are not prevalent in your life, What does that mean? Is, are you missing his voice? Whatever, whatever it looks or feels like, are you missing God? Because in the absence 
of that unction in you, in the absence of those things, we have to fall back on knowledge and rules, obedience, loyalty, and obligation. That's the only place you have to go unless you walk. If you're not in that relationship that is continually having some expression in you, Are you missing his voice in you? If you're not experiencing, uh, I'm sorry. Um, are, um, are your God receptors ill-trained? Are you missing the God opportunities? You know, it's, it's kind of a training thing. I, I have to, uh, I can tell you, when I get busy, when I, when I let my life get sloppy, I can tell you I hear God less. I do. I hear him less. I don't think he's speaking less. I think I'm receiving less. My receptors are picking up other things. My receptors are loaded already. And I can say what I want about that condition. But at the end of the day, I can say I was just too busy. And at the end of my life, I can say I was just too busy. I just never really had the time to listen and to connect with God who wanted to give me life. I, just, I had too much going to stop myself and to listen and to hear and to respond. And what you're going to find is it's these, these receptors, when they get things, it can be small things, it can be big things, but here's what happens as you get them and as you act upon them. You will grow as someone who hears and receives. You will grow in it. And, and in the scripture, they call these places or moments of remembrance. When God speaks to me, when God uses me in some way, and now I have it, and, and it's like it doesn't go away, and I can recall it to you, and it's a testimony to you. But when I recall it to you as a testimony, do you know who is also living it as a testimony? I am. I can feed off of God moments over and over and over. And they set the stage for my confidence and my understanding to hear him again and again. Without experiencing God along the way in your life, you will be left with loyalty, obligation, and obedience. Relationship is about experiencing right here. You can see miracles. You can see arms grow out or legs you can see miracles happen, but none of that will be as powerful as God touching you right here. None of it will take the place because all of that is external. Even if you pray for someone and they are healed before your very eyes, it will not carry as much weight as one moment when God touches you inside your soul and you experience his, his love, his grace, his mercy. 
when you experience God in some way. I was talking to somebody uh, Friday, um, somebody having a bad day. Uh, they were in a wreck, a car wreck. It was not their vehicle. It was a company vehicle. And then their company fired them and um, had a conversation with his girlfriend who was leaving him. And he was being evicted and he had no money. It's a hard day. It's a hard day. Here's what I asked this person. So tell me your story. How did you come to know Jesus? Here's what this person said. You know, uh, I started going to church because my wife was dragging me and I didn't want to go. I just sat on the back row and slept. And he said, and then one day I'd been sleeping, but I woke up. And the pastor was staring right at me. Do you believe that? Do you know how many times I've heard people say, you were staring right at me? I'll hear that from five people on one Sunday morning. I thought, I cannot be staring at everybody at the same time. He was staring right at me, and he was talking right at me. And, when the, and it was right there at the ministry time. He said, you know, if God wants to heal you of the pain in your heart, and if you will stand up, we'll, we're going to pray for you, and God is going to heal you. He just slept through the message. But he stood up for the ministry in a place he didn't want to be. Who do you think had him stand up? Do you really think it was the preacher who didn't know him? Or was God speaking to him? Stand up, I want to heal you. And he began to weep and weep. And people came over he did not know and they prayed for him. And in that moment, he was healed of the anger and the rage toward his father. And he invited Jesus to be Lord of his life. And as he's recounting this story to me, his arms are all over the place. Tears are in his eyes. He is excited. He's full of joy. The guy that's being left by his girlfriend just had a car wreck, just got fired, being evicted with no money and no food. Same guy. But he was re-experiencing the experience of Jesus, the power of that relationship was lifting him up. No, no act of praying for someone to be healed ever replaces that. For the brother in the movie, you see, he had experienced dialogue and encounter with this woman that affected him. And he was, he was experiencing those things as he's recounting what he thinks about Lucy. But the other guy was not working from encounter at all. He was working on things that people had said. I can tell you Jesus loves you. And that's the truth. 
And for you to accept it is a wonderful thing. But you, and you alone, for you can experience Jesus Christ. You and only you. You alone can experience Jesus Christ in a way that overpowers every reversal in your life. No knowledge will do that for you. No rules will do that for you. No, no great miraculous victory will do what Jesus does in a heart. I had... Um, We're going to the word desire, and we'll go maybe straightforward from there. Maybe not. I had Melinda share with you last week uh, her story of desire, and uh, I think her story is one of the most miraculous stories I've seen. Uh, and I, as I as I said last week, I didn't really I didn't really understand at the time. Although I was around her, she cared about me dearly for a long time, a long time before I cared about her. And I was not responsive to her feelings toward me. But she didn't get angry with me. She really didn't get frustrated with me. She believed that I was a man who could hear from God. So she was frustrated with God. It's not because Bill can't hear. It's because, God, I don't think you're speaking. Do you know how powerful that statement is in relationships? Maybe your issue is not with the person you have an issue with. Maybe your issue is with God and trusting him. And so for day after day, week after week, and year after year, Melinda had to trust God to fill the void in her life that a man would fill. She had to trust him with that. Not week after week, year after year, after year, after year, after year. And then because I'm allegedly slow, <laughs> then we dated for four years. I am amazed that I have a woman who can trust God. She can trust him for the long haul. She can trust him even if the answer doesn't come up as she wants. She can trust him. And she stayed in relationship with him. And God can speak to me. And God did. 
Desire is a good thing. I'm going to give you a few verses on it because I want you to know that desire is often the peace, or I would almost say almost always the peace that is missing when people do not pursue Jesus. They don't desire him. They might know the obligation and they might honor it. They might understand loyalty and they want to be loyal. They might understand obedience and they want to be obedient because they believe, but they don't desire Jesus. Do you desire Jesus? Honestly. Or are we really, really, really well-intentioned people? The desire is the peace. Jesus wants to heal and redeem. Let's look at these verses. Psalm 40, verse 8. This is somebody saying, it's David. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written within my... I desire to do your will. That is important to me. That is interesting to me. That's different than I am obligated or I will because I'm loyal. It is saying, it is part of my fabric too, Father. Verse 37. I'm sorry, verse 103. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? You know, Jesus wants to satisfy our desires, but first he wants to establish them as desires that bring life to you. He wants to establish desires, not crush them. Now, Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you delight in God, or does he seem like a burden? Does he seem like it's just a burden? to walk with him, or is there a delight? Verse 20 is a prayer. Psalm 20, verse 4. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Wouldn't you love for God to really do that for you? But would it make you kind of think about your plan some? So the truth is, in opening your God wiring, you need to understand that relationship cannot exist on obligation, loyalty, and obedience. That's not relationship. And in the end, you won't walk with Jesus. At some point, relationship speaks of desire. It speaks of time. It speaks of practice. It speaks of quality connection. You know, Melinda, I've been married going on three years. And, you know, there's often, I would say, almost always, she knows what I think. And I know what she thinks. 
And sometimes we get the same thought at the same time. And the other night at the table, there was a high five over that. Because I like her knowing what I think. I like that. That is far more powerful than me being able to write something about what I think, giving it to her, and her memorizing it. Isn't it great if she just knows it? That is powerful. That is gratifying to me. Jesus wants to connect with you in that way. But it takes practice. It takes making, hearing, seeing, visions all become important parts. When you're in worship on Sunday morning, you cheat you. But doing something besides talking to Jesus, listening to him, connecting with the words, you rip you off. When you go through a day and, and you don't connect with what he might be thinking about a person, when he doesn't have the ability to challenge you, when you're thinking an ugly thought of someone, you're the one that gets cheated. At some point, it has to include experiences that we become a part of our fabric, our growing fabric. That experience that's here, not an experience of praying for the sick. And I love that. Don't, don't misread this. I'm saying we can't live off of dessert. You need a desire, and to experience that. I, I think we're done. I wrestled long and hard with this message, and I shared with Melinda a couple of times, I'm not sure if the sermon is toward us or if I'm speaking to God, I know I shouldn't be preaching to God, but he understands. I preach to him all the time. How many of us don't have very many experiences? Or we've lost the edge on those. We don't use them anymore or we're not adding to them anymore. We're not hearing. We're not recognizing a vision. And even when we get something right, we take the glory ourselves. We think how smart I was, how great I was that I pulled that off. When even the smallest things, God says, I help you win, even in the small things. This morning, uh, if we could stand. 
Some of us, our lives have been more about loyalty and obligation. And we're real short on just experiencing God. To weep in his arms. To laugh with him the way Kim talked about. To feel the depth of his love or mercy inside us in some way that makes us better and healed. So here's, here's my question. Here's what I believe the Lord has given me. There are those who have worked hard at following Jesus with loyalty, obedience, and obligation. This morning, he wants to give you a love experience. And I want to invite you forward, and we want to pray that over you. And there are others here that you just may want a fresh experience of God. So maybe he's looking straight at you today, not me. And he's saying, I want to do that with you today. That's my invitation today. It's to experience God. I invite you to come forward and we're going to pray.